tend to, if they're not, if it's not their strength or passion uh, system, they, they want to put something out of a box. They want to, they want to buy something out of a box and put in the system, but then they don't, they don't understand it and they don't understand it truly. They don't really get into the, the, the weeds of it. They just delegate it and they put it in place. And then a year later, that system falls apart. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thanks, Steve, for joining us. I appreciate you taking time to come on and, uh, and chat today. Great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, happy to be here. And uh, first, I just want to jump into some quick hitting questions. What is the first brand that you remember being connected to growing up? It'd have to be uh, Schwinn. And if I'm thinking of a kid, Schwinn and, and my Converse. Uh, I always saved up money for my Converse shoes. So, why why Schwinn? That's an interesting one. Did they have some interesting marketing back then? You know, I just had a Schwinn bike that I loved. And, uh, you know, we as kids, we kind of swapped parts and we seats. And uh, But a, a old Schwinn bike is something that I just recall that I've always had. So That's awesome. Uh, and yeah. then Converse, those were, uh, that was like the everything shoe, I'm, right? Right. Yeah, I'm dating myself. But yeah, definitely. It was like, man, if you had Converse, you were, you were it. They were kind of the shoe of the day. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and what was your first job? Yeah, real, you know, I, um, you know, I had several, I worked for, I worked at the fairgrounds every summer, uh, setting up, we're, we're big ag area. So the, the whole summer I worked in the ag, uh, department, I did that from eighth grade soon as school was out until school went back in and you were prepping for the fair and then, uh, uh getting, you know, uh, through maintenance and then closing up the fairgrounds. And that I did that every summer actually. Where, what city was this in that you grew up? In Turlock, California. And we're in the okay. Central Valley. So it's very agricultural area. Um, and then, you know, out of school was, uh, uh, I went went to a, uh, got a job with a plumber. And uh, that was my first, where I felt like it was a job. You know, it was like, uh, not just a summer job. Give me a background of just like a two minute bio on uh your kind of upbringing, you could maybe touch on siblings or family if there's mm -hmm. anything notable there, and then kind of high school, college. I grew up with a, I'm the oldest of five. Um, I had a, a stepdad that was a teacher and a coach, um, and uh, that came into my life around 10 when I was 10. You know, influenced first, I battled, and then uh, then has been one of my biggest influencers since. Um, but I grew up, uh, didn't, I actually didn't go to college, went to school. Um, and uh, through, after I graduated high school, went into work and uh, uh, ended up getting married right out of high school and uh, had kids. I married, a, um, uh, my wife had two kids when we got married. So I, within, by the time I was 19, I had three kids mm. and, um, uh, and it was work. Then that's when I got the real job I talked about as a, as a plumber. Um, but that's where I started from. Um, and then, uh, I've been in, I found that the trades were an area that I could really, uh, since I didn't have the college opportunity with the kids, uh, it was the trades is where I could grow and, uh, and really caught hold. Um, so that's, uh, I realized shortly after that, that, uh, I couldn't grow fast enough, uh, working for somebody else. And I became, I started my own business with by the time I was 22 and I've been self-employed since 22. 
um, what you couldn't grow fast enough. That's an interesting comment. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, um, what's interesting, it's, uh, uh, you know, one of my, my boss that I worked with, um, uh, that I went to work for was a great guy, great, great character. I learned a lot from him uh, as far as just uh, respect and how to, um, uh, how to treat people, how to train. He was a great trainer. Uh, he was an individual that, you know, no, we call it today is no show, do review, you know, really he was hands-on. I worked right alongside of him and he was an experienced journeyman. I was probably 50 years old at the time and just a, a great man um, and just taught me really quickly. But he was also very traditional that thinking that you would get, you know, back then I, I, I made I was like $5 an hour and I worked for him for like six months and I'm learning how to do all these different uh, rough in and just the different steps. And I, within about a year and a half, probably within a year, I was doing what other what we would call journeyman plumbers were doing, working side by side with them. And I needed more income and I would go back to him and he said, well, you've only been here a year and and then everybody got a quarter raise, you know? And uh, so it was this process that I realized shortly after that, that his working for him, it would be, I would have to work here another four years to be able to make seven, eight, eight dollars an hour, you know, or nine. Um, And uh, so I just realized that that wasn't going to work. Um, which has influenced me in a lot in how I run my business, but uh, it was very difficult. Uh, Could you share one or two experiences in your career that are like, I feel like for anybody, there's like key inflection points that were like, man, this, you know, either one month or six month or a year period of my life drastically changed my trajectory. Um, what What are one or two of those experiences in your career that contributed to who you are today? You know, I, th- I think Joe, you know, Joe working for an, 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 uh, an entrepreneur, which he was, you know, he, he, it's smaller company, but he influenced me about leading and running and managing, uh, training, uh, training people. So I'm Joe, I still look back as one of my best bosses that I, you know, that I ever had, but I didn't have many, but he was one of my best bosses that influenced me there. Um, I, I think I saw how he ran his business and, and the, what, what he lacked in was the ability to uh, take people who really wanted to learn and was driving and being able to accelerate them. You know, he was uh, just very methodical in his process. Um, so he was, he was an influencer. I look back at him a lot and I still see him around town and he's uh, very on, on occasion. Uh, it's been several years, um, but an influencer. You know, I think um, another pivotal point would probably be uh, my, my wife actually, uh, and, and she was a executive assistant for a, a Seneca Foods, a, a, a company, and um, they were going through a big transitional turnover and a company came in, actually a group of individuals came in and took over while it was in a, a, a bankruptcy state. And uh, they were just these guys that came in and just twisted everything around in this business. And uh, she would come home every day and tell me these what they were doing and how they influenced. And I, I got to meet the individual that was one of the, um, uh, I can't remember what his role was, but uh, an individual that came in and just changed things around quickly and then handed it back to the business. And I thought, man, that is exciting. It was just something that really, uh, to me, I thought, wouldn't that be you know, a, a great thing to do, be involved in somebody else's business, not mine. And, you know, I, I, had been in, I had been in business probably 20 years at this point, and I, uh, it just intrigued me and uh, kind of 
really kind of led me into looking into the, the Nolan Consulting and what they're doing and what I'm doing today. Mm. Um, and the business that you started is that uh, what what is the industry and um, uh, is that run in your what town are you in currently? Yeah, I'm still in Trelock, uh, Trelock, California. Um, you know, I've actually had a few different businesses, but the first one was a, 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 a landscaping maintenance business. Uh, we were uh, it was. When I was plumbing, uh, the contractor was building a development, and the guy, the, the individual that was mowing the lawns as they maintained them, uh, quit. And I saw an opportunity, and I said, "I'll do that." And uh, so I started mowing mowing yards, and we ended up getting up to about probably about six six people. I ended up having six full time employees while I was still plumbing, and I was still doing my job, but I had guys out mowing yards, and uh, we did that for about two years, three years. Um, and uh, then the economy tipped. And then, so I was only doing new construction homes and maintaining them until they sold. And then that market went away. So that was my first, uh, my first business. Um, and then I, uh, I got into uh, kitchen and bath remodels. Actually, I started doing installs for a, an appliance company and uh, kind of diverted to that. And I did installs. Uh, we would take in retrofit cabinetry and, uh, Put in new stoves, new equipment. Um, anyway, anyway, do modifications. Um, that led into kitchen and bathroom models, um, and then I uh, did kitchen and bathroom models for about probably about six, maybe five or six years, and uh, and then I did repair work. And one of the companies that I did repair work was Lancaster Painting would refer me to do dry rot repair. Um, and then after a couple of years working with them. Uh, the owner of that business uh, was getting ready to get out, and uh, he, anyway, I ended up buying, uh, partnering with his brother, and then ended up buying that business out in the painting business. So I kind of, that's how my transition made into Lancaster Painting. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. So, and how many years ago did you fully buy out and take complete ownership of Lancaster? That would be in, um, geez, uh, two it's been 20 years. Okay. Right, right at 20, 18 years ago. Yeah. And then, years ago. and then you said that now define or what is, how would you explain? Cause you're the owner of Lancaster painting, but you're also a coach for Nolan consulting. Um, and is there anything else or could you kind of give a little more detailed explanation of what a day in the life of Steve looks like today? Sure. Yeah. I'm still, um, um, currently, I'm, I would say that I'm the president of the company uh, CEO role. Um, I, I'm involved in weekly and month, or excuse me, uh, weekly. Uh, well, currently I'm in uh, daily meetings, um, but I've been in over the last eight years, I've been in weekly meetings um, with the company um, and providing oversight. Uh, I've been involved in the coaching part of it. I guess to, to be more current today, I probably spend about half my time is coaching and then half my time is with Lancaster painting at the current capacity. Um, I've recently stepped in, uh, we are transitioning with growth. We've had just a, a lot of growth over the last year and I've um, stepped into the role with uh, as a production manager and kind of reforming what that's going to be. And then we're uh, recruit, recruiting and hiring and gonna bring in a production manager and put in that role to take off, to take on after, you know, to pass that on to them, um, which is 
what I've done in a few different companies too with uh, NOAA Consulting Group, I've gone into their companies and helped them make this transition uh, as they grow and maybe fill the gap as they're getting ready to transition to a new uh, a new phase, if you will, in their business. Uh, you did that for Nolan Consulting? No, actually, like, I did it. No, I did it for. Um, I've I've worked with a few different companies. Um, oh, but it was Nolan yeah. Consulting it's made through, the introduction, the right? Yeah, correct. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so your job was to like go step into a business in a particular role in that business and mm-hmm. operate that for a while before handing it off to somebody else. Yes, and helping make a, a fast transition, if you will. Uh, maybe it's. Uh, it's typically not stepping in and replacing a role. It's more about uh, in expansion, we need to create a new role. Um, and I, about three different opportunities I've had or worked with companies where we've in a growth mode and that's they, they're not sure they need an operations manager yet, but, but they're in a transition. They've never had one before. Maybe the owner was doing that part of the role. And so it's a transitional state. So what helps, to, helps them to uh, separate out what, what what was the owner's role what is still the owner's role and what is an operations manager because they as you're growing they kind of blend you know mm. you're you, you've got to make that transition that next step so it seems to be matter of fact three different uh, uh, three different projects i've done have been that basis have gone in and done that role what would you say so something that's interesting about well coaching in general is something that i'm fascinated by um but I'm uh, from my perspective. So obviously, in my interaction or my the way that I have met you or communicated with you is because you're you are the coach for Webfoot, mm-hmm. and as the marketing manager, I've I think we had I don't know a few conversations, but I've observed you or seen when you're at the office just how you are. You're basically curious. You're like a mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, this is my definition, but a professional <laughs> like curiosity person, you know, that right. kind of just goes right. in. Obviously there's more to it than that, but you're mm-hmm. asking lots of questions and just kind of trying to get a lay of the land before, you know, I assume making recommendations or, um, or, or whatever else, uh, happens after yeah. that kind of sure. data gathering stage. But what would you say is, um, your like superpower or another way I would phrase it is like, if you were to be like, if someone were to argue that Steve Talkington is the leading expert on blank, what would you say that your, and this is also depending on your personality could be a more difficult question because it's kind of a brag. It's a moment to brag, but what do you feel like your strong suit is even compared to other coaches? It's like, I'm really good at something. Yeah. I think that that's easier probably to answer saying, what am I, what do I feel that I'm really good at or what I do? Well, um, you know, operational improvement and workflow is what I think I'm very strong at to be able. And like you've, like you've, uh, like our interaction has been able to, um, I really enjoy having the opportunity to go into different businesses, um, and kind of, uh, you know, have an open book, be able to come in and just work with the team. The owners have given me the opportunity just to go and research, see what's happening. Um, and, uh, and I think what, what I can do, what I feel I do really well is recognize where, where breaks in the road are that people that are kind of in it, they're not recognizing what are some big hurdles or maybe what are causing big roadblocks that could easily be fixed. Um, and a lot of times that occurs, you know, in the business there, 
everybody's thinking somebody else is taking care of something, but nobody is. And uh, when an outsider walks in, um, you know, and, uh, a lot of things are recognized really quickly. It's like, you know, you know, um, and then especially being able to have the opportunity to work with all the departments and kind of spend a little bit of time with each department. Um, uh, you, you, you can find some really low hanging fruit fairly easily, especially if you know the industry, you know, and I think that's one of the benefits I've had over the last seven years is I've um, been in, you know, 30, been able to have the back door to maybe 20 to 30 different businesses and see how they operate and run. And uh, so I think that's what I'm really good at and I enjoy it, you know, and, and to be able to come away with observations you know, observations and recommendations, you know, and, um, uh, and it's, I, I, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of low hanging fruit that's found that way. What's the, um, so like, I've thought of this from like a, um, maybe this is a coaching perspective or a psychologist or something, but it's like, there's a balance of like, when you're working with entrepreneurs, there are people that are very driven and I would say usually stubborn or like they like they have egos and they want right. to solve problems and whatnot. How do you balance like giving a recommendation versus telling someone what to do versus like trying to strategically ask the right questions to just yeah. lead them to it? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that seems like a, yeah. a a critical skill of a good coach is knowing when to be like, you need to do this because that's necessary sometimes mm -hmm. versus other times like leading the horse to water and then right. hoping that they drink. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, it is. It's one of the most difficult. I would say, you know, I, I think for myself in my role as a coach, uh, since I'm an entrepreneur, I have a business. I've been self-employed. Um it's still I'm self-employed. You know, I still have my business running. Um, we, you tend to have a very high directive where you want to take over. So one of the hardest parts I have is not, and I, and I struggle sometimes, sometimes I, I, I make firm recommendations or tell them you should. And, um, and, and that's in a coaching capacity, that's wrong. I mean, I need to tell them what, you know, and, and I, so I struggle with that and I have to bite my lip and, uh, you know, uh, uh, in some relationships are really good where I can, you know, they know that I'm going to tell them this is what I think and, you know, they can run with it from there. Uh, but it is difficult. You know, it's a difficult piece. And, and coaching from the outside is really more about, um, I think, A, holding them accountable. You know, coaching is about, uh, they've asked you to hold them accountable. That's why they're working with you as a coaching capacity is they have initiatives they want to, they want to make. They have goals they want to hit, um, and and when you're a fiercely independent entrepreneur, there's nobody else that's going to hold you accountable, and so uh, in, within your organization, or very rarely does somebody have it to be able to hold some uh, an owner to accountability to to do what they said or to stay on course. Um, and I think with a coaching relationship, you can. Uh, you can have that covenant where you talk about it and you set the rules of the game up and you say, okay, this is what you truly want. So when you, when you see a shiny lure or something's deferring you, I'm going to push back on that as a coach mm. with an owner. Um, and I, um, so I think, you know, you know, finding the balance, building the relationship and the trust, and then setting the, setting the boundaries and the guidelines in which we'll work together are very important. Yeah. I feel like the, um, something that i'm get that i'm very interested in like professionally 
uh, and it's related to coaching, um, but it's internal, is like, how? what's the difference in your mind having been a business owner and a coach um, on how you, uh, I'm going to say manage your coaching clients versus manage your team? Because it seems like there would be overlap, but there's obviously a difference between Mm-hmm. Uh, how you manage someone that is, you're the boss versus a coach. Hmm, interesting. Um, it is different for sure. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a role shift you have to put on in, in your, um, on my head. I have to change the role that I'm in when, I'm, when I move myself from one spot to the next. Um, especially now where I'm in role as a production manager in my business, um, it's a different set of tools that I'm using. You know, I'm coming in with a, with a, with an agenda, what I want to accomplish. I want to transition things quickly. Um, uh, I want to push people to their, you know, to the, to as far as that I feel they can be pushed to, to make this move quick. Um, um, so, you know, to, to, so the difference I guess would be, um, it's a, it's definitely a mind shift. You have to change the role. Um, in my business, as my role as CEO president of the company, you know, a lot of that is about providing lead. Uh, uh, I would say leadership through vision, you know, and making my vision known where we're going. And that's so. Uh, in my ownership, entrepreneur role, that's the main focus: is keeping people on on knowing where the goal is. Um, in a coaching capacity, I'm actually coming in and working with them on what their goal is, making sure they have a goal, you know, because we can lose sight, especially when you're in the middle of your business, you can lose, you can get too busy in the work and not, and lose sight of the goal, lose sight of the vision. Um, and you think, you know, you, you know, as owners, we think that we, we go home and we think about it at night, but our, you know, our team's not, if we're not communicating it. So then this is a, this is kind of a weird, I don't know if this is the right way of thinking about it, but for myself, it's like, I, uh, so I, before coming to Webfoot, I ran a marketing company. We had eight employees. And so I, I had said multiple times throughout that, this time as a, um, as an entrepreneur, uh, I'm never going to work for somebody again. Like I could never, I could never work for somebody. I don't want somebody to tell me what to do. I love the freedom that came from being in charge of like the sky's the limit. Um, you have more responsibility and all the downsides on you as well, but it was just too awesome to just be like, I'm going to do this because this is, I just feel like I'm going to do this and there's no checks or balances. Um, which is also bad if you have no, like no one that you're accountable to. Cause there's right. like no, no one's trying to poke holes in your strategy. Right, right. Um, but then I, you know, miraculously, I feel like ended up at Webfoot and have the opportunity. Like it's just, it's, I marvel at Gavin managing me because mm-hmm. I said for many years that I would never work for somebody, but he has the right level of like, uh, here's the, here's the ground rules, right? Yeah. And then there's failures allowed and we talk about it and we discuss what happened or whatever. But I still feel like I'm an entrepreneur with inside mm-hmm. like a fixed structure or like a sustainable, healthy business. Sure. And so I'm thinking for myself, it's like I I think highly of myself and I would like to uh, 
be able to manage someone like myself because in order to get the business to where I want or the marketing department in particular, where I want it to be, I have to have other people that are like myself. And so I'm assuming that people are going to feel similarly where they don't want to be told what to do. Uh, they like, you know, being able to inject their own creativity and, and genius into a solution. And mm-hmm. that requires, in my case, Gavin, maybe not being involved or stepping back when he might have a better way of doing it and letting mm-hmm. me, you know, be all excited and then fall flat on my face and then get up and try a second and third and fourth time. Right. But there's enjoyment in that. So this question is, how do I, or how would you say, and maybe you've had <clears throat> similar experiences, manage the people that I'm in charge of in like a, with uh, coaching principles, but also balancing the fact that I'm a manager, not uh, a coach, if that makes sense. Maybe restate that, that, that question. I'm kind of lost right there on that. Piece. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. The, the specific thing would be Justin, how, yeah. how do I, uh, or I guess the other part is I'm, I'm making the assumption that it is correct. Is yeah. it correct to basically assume that I should try to manage people uh, and not everybody, but if the right person comes along, mm-hmm. is it assume I'm assuming that there that there will be someone similar like me, or that I already have people on my team that are like sure. me, that are like they want the freedom, um, but it's kind of like I guess I don't know what, what, and I've talked to Gavin about this. I don't know how intentional Gavin is with managing me, or if it's just mm-hmm. like we have personalities that ended up working out well, and he is more easily able to let things go. Whereas I maybe have more like desire for control. And I I guess at the end of the day, the simple thing is like my struggle is I want to be a better and better leader, but Mm -hmm. I know that that requires changing from how I've led in the past or how I'm currently leading Yeah, because I, I have to manage higher level people. And they require different management tiles. tiles. Well, I think that's the key, right? It's the different level of people. It's the diff because people definitely you need to manage them where they're at, you know, and and, and what their capacities are. Uh, you can't, you know, I've I've found, you know, some people try to use the same management style with everybody that they work with, and that that just doesn't work. Um, there are some individuals I enjoy, like the relationship. I'm assuming that you and Gavin have uh, people on my team that I can give them very, you know, I can give them the this is the desired outcome. This is what our objectives are. Um, and on my team, you know, especially there's that, that this is the outcome that I want and pretty much touch base, check in, follow uh, the matrix. Are we on plan or off? And if we're on plan, run with it, you know, go do, do your thing. Um, if we're off plan, um, I'm not, I'm not the best manager. Um, personally, I'm, I feel I'm a better leader, uh, to uh, inspire change and direction and vision uh, when it gets to maintenance and being a really because really good managers can stay on things you know and, and, and I'm not the best there um, uh, but but uh, when I'm managing individuals that uh, are are driven and they they know where they're going and we've got a good clear objective uh, those are the people I like to to, to have directly reporting to me um, uh, mm. that I can give give them the the area and the room uh, to grow their 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 department, you know, whatever their objectives are. Um, the other so kind of on that would be, I'm assuming that there is a there one of the just objective differences between manager and coach is that a coach I am saying I want to pay you to hold me accountable, whereas a manager. Mm-hmm. 
I'm paying someone else to do what I tell them to do, right. which is like just out of the gate. It's like complete, like the intrinsic extrinsic reward yeah. and all that stuff is completely different because the person that is the, the player, you know, or mm -hmm. the, the client mm -hmm. is saying, this is so important to me. I'm willing to take my own money or my own mm -hmm. resources and pay you to force me to be better. And yeah. that's missing in the manager employee role or, you know, yes. situation. Yeah. It's a, it's a total different perspective, total different approach to the game. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if, if um, interesting, I think if you find, when you find talent, uh, and you find people with capacity and, and the ability to move up the ladder, they will come to you and want you to hold them accountable. You know, they, they want to know what, 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 what are the parameters that, that I have to work in. And I think sometimes um, uh, it's a way to find talent within your organization is the people who are wanting to be held accountable, who are coming to you and asking you, uh, uh, even though you're their manager, but they're, they're driving, uh, what's the next thing? Where can I go? Um, but, but there definitely are different, um, different approaches. I'm wondering what's the, uh, yeah, I'm sure that you've, or I'm assuming you've done some coaching internally, but what do you see as like, what is an external coach able to do that an internal, uh, coach or manager, or even let's say Webfoot hired like a mm -hmm. full-time, uh, coach in the business or something. Um, what is an external coach or how does coaching externally differ or have benefits or cons that an internal one couldn't have? You know, I think um, actually it would be, I, I might put it, I, I believe an internal coach. So I, I believe all managers and leaders have the ability and can coach their departments and, and, and uh, you know, actually some of the best managers are ability to coach and uh, uh coach and inspire and hold people accountable. So I think that's important. Uh, so I think it can be done internally. I think the benefits of maybe an outside, somebody from the outside is typically, um, A, it's with an owner that needs outs, you know, some outside direction. But if we're talking about staff and, uh, and, and people inside the organization, it may be filling a gap that the company or the business doesn't currently have. So they don't have the resources to make this next move. So a coach could come in and work with a team member to help develop that individual because A, the owner doesn't have the, uh, the time because they're so wrapped into what they're doing. They don't have the time to give that specialized attention. They may not have their, may not be their strength. I hire a sales coach for my team. Um, I'm not a sales manager. I, I, I don't, <clears throat> um, it's probably my weakest area is sales. So I've always hired a sales coach to come in and supplement in my business to bring that really uh, uh, sales focused uh, uh, approach. Um, so I think it can replace something you don't have in your organization uh, um, from, the, from the outside. I think also when I talked about coming into an organization in the in an in a observation coming in like once a year and doing kind of a, a, a a analysis and kind of seeing what's going on. Uh, people are free more often than you more often than you would think, free to just spill their guts. What's going on? And, uh, and because you're an you're, outsider, because you're an outsider, and uh, you're it's a safe zone, and you're an outsider, and people just you know they give you 
they give you all the all the nuts and bolts really quickly. And uh, mm. so an outsider can sometimes doesn't have all the politics of internal uh, management or people that are there. Um, it's uh, so that could be a, a benefit and a plus from an outside coach. What is the because um, at Nolan Consulting, who who technically is your boss? You know, I think um, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's transitioning a bit, but Brian uh, Nolan was uh, was my direct report. Catherine is now taking on operations. Because I was going to say, well, since this is just happening, let's talk about Brian because you may yeah. not have this answer mm-hmm. for Catherine yet. But how how is it that Brian is able to effectively manage you? Like, what is what does he do well? Or and I guess again, I'm not necessarily worried as much about Brian in particular. I'm just thinking like, okay, obviously you're a high performing individual. That's an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, business uh, owner, thinker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you manage someone like yourself? Or do you ever analyze or observe what is he doing well that's helping you perform at a high level? Uh, um, you know, interesting. I, I think, you know, I, I'm pretty autonomous. I, I, I'm, I live in California there. The main headquarters are in, you know, Philadelphia. Um, uh, I, uh, I work remote with them on a staff meeting. I think, um, I, so we'll do a, a zoom meeting and a, a staff meeting. So I, I would say that, uh, I have outcomes and goals and similar as we talked a minute ago, we know what the outcome needs to be. Um, I'm account, um, and I probably doesn't, I, I don't have to be held too much accountable because I just do my, do what I'm you know, do what my objectives are. Um, I'm self-driven and motivated, so it doesn't take a lot there. But I think what he brings is uh, is inspiration. A when when we're uh, you know he he gives the vision of where Nolan Consulting Group is going and uh, and and shares that. Uh, I so I, I I not only buy in, but I'm inspired by it. So I, I it helps me. So that inspiration I think is something that he brings. Um, and then I think uh, he's also, and it's that's probably not managing, but it's also a reflection person. You know, when you're, you know, a lot of times you're dealing with stuff that you've never dealt with before, and being able to have that collective team to go with and say, hey, this is, uh, you know, what's going on in a certain organization, and and then to be able to bounce those um, those ideas off of. It's not really management, but it's it's a resource, definite resource. And I do feel like that's obviously. Uh at a certain point, it's obvious or clearly managing someone like yourself in a consulting business is far different than managing a sales rep at your organization or a supervisor or something. It's obviously far different skill sets for everybody involved. Sure, But I do think that uh, it is interesting because you said this, you said earlier that you, you you provide leadership more through vision and it sounds like that's potentially what Brian is bringing also is that mm-hmm. the as you go up the ladder and you bring other people that are also higher level leaders mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point, you don't really need somebody to be like, hey, you said you're going to make your calls and you didn't do it because that's just happening. It's like, of course, yeah. that's going to happen. Um, right. And so it, it shifts into this um, painting the picture, I guess, of the mm-hmm. of the future. And then I guess the only thing would be that he just has to make sure that he provides an exciting enough vision to keep right. everybody interested, right? 
And it's true, you know, um, when you're not in alignment, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of what I do with the coaching out of passion more. It's not, it's, it's not monetary. Uh, I don't mean that in, the, in any wrong way, but it's, it's about passion. It's what I love to do. I enjoy it. And uh, to, to get the opportunities to be able to be in with different organizations, you know, being self-employed for my whole life, you know, 30 plus years, it can get lonely. I mean, I don't know if lonely is the right word, but mm -hmm. you're, you're independent, you know, and uh, to be like right now, what you're doing, uh, you're, you're, you, you, you were on your own and you thought you would never work for somebody. And, but now you're part of an organization and there's, uh, I, I'm assuming for yourself, but for me being a part of even Webfoot and being a part of uh, different organizations and Nolan Consulting Group uh, is, uh, is rewarding to see them move along, you know, not being, not always being the one that is uh, the leader, um, and uh, you know, there's 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 a there's a value in that for mm. personal value. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I was in a group um, back. This is probably six years ago now. Called the Entrepreneurs Organization. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. heard of that EO. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't. I don't think this was like a value, but it's something that was talked about a lot. Is that it's lonely at the top. <laughs> so I think I I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, yeah. but I yeah. definitely feel like when you are a business owner, you have all these coworkers, but uh, it's very difficult to really connect and share everything you're experiencing with mm -hmm. your employees. And oftentimes you have to do that with other business owners or mm -hmm. I assume coaches because they're the only ones that can that can really grasp or understand right. the stress or the feeling of success that you have and how that's different than the people that you manage because, yeah. uh, yeah, you like, it's just hard. I don't even know if you should, even if you wanted to, there's obviously certain things that are, it's not good for a coach or for a, an owner to share their, their true thoughts or their fears <laughs> with everybody that they're supposed to be inspiring and leading. So right, you have to right. have someone to go to, to, yeah. to deload some of that, you know, I, I think that's the value of, um, you know, this organization that's tied us together is through NOLA consulting group, but the summit group, which is a group within that, um, and the summit group, um, uh, collectively, I mean, that's the, that's the power of that group. These are co-owner, these are owners of their own businesses. They're, uh, they're non-competing. Um, they, uh, you know, we've, we've broken into, um, uh, peer groups, even inside within the summit. And, you know, to be able to have that monthly call where, you know, everybody's in the same boat, um, you know, there's not, maybe not the exact same boat, but they're, they're in the same circumstances or close to, and they've got just a ton of wisdom that can share. Um, and that's the power of these peer groups, you know, the peer groups within the summit organization and no one consulting. What is the most challenging part of being a coach for you? Probably, two, probably two things. Um, it, it, two parts. One is not uh, being able to put the role, put my put my role in place that I'm not, I'm not there to take control, and that's uh, or I'm not there. It's it's not my organization, and I need to, um, I need to get, I need to share my thoughts and help them dig out individuals' thoughts. And as an owner, from, from the years of experience and my my high D directive is. To jump in, so that's I have to pull myself back. Uh, so that's that's one of the most difficult. Um, the other part about being a coach too is everybody's in a different place in their business, 
and uh, being able to shift from one business that is, you know, running at a hundred miles an hour and executing and implementing, and then work with another business, maybe, you know, with you have a uh, 15 minutes or 20 minutes and you're jumping onto another call with another company that is like in a, in a very coast mode. Uh, so changing, you know, turning back the dial uh, and, and being able, or, you know, sometimes you have to turn it back and then sometimes you just have to accelerate quickly before you jump on the next, uh, next meeting or next call. And uh, so, you know, meeting people where they're at is a very uh, important thing to do. And it's, it takes some prep time to do. Totally. It. I'm, uh, so I'm in a, um, a men's coaching group currently which is, I've never done anything like this before, but it's run by a business and life coach uh, who's a friend or acquaintance of mine up here in um, North Idaho. And um, he brought together nine other men from the area that all have various, um, some are owners, some are employees, um, and all different industries. But it's, um, I've, I have been opened up to the value of coaching and the different styles or aspects of coaching that you could have. And I'm thinking or trying to compare this like personal or life coaching to like what I'm assuming is what you're doing more with Nolan. And I don't know if I would, if I'm saying this correctly, but I would say Nolan consulting is providing like operational coaching, less personal coaching, but maybe not like as far as when you're working with a business owner, you're not working with that owner on like them improving themselves as a human being and becoming a, the, a better version of themselves. Whereas you're, I don't know, is that, would you agree no, with that? I, or do you feel like you're doing a little bit know, of both? No, I think, I think it's the whole, I mean, I think it's, um, I don't think, I believe it's the whole thing. Um, it, it is about, uh, you know, their primary aim and vision, because if they don't know where, the, where they're going or they're not, uh, they're not clear in what they truly want for themselves, they have a struggle. So you, they have a struggle with how are they going to lead this business to where they want it to go if, they, if they're um, so it's it's dual. It's probably not, you know, like we talked about my strengths is operational. So I'm maybe influencing the operational part of it. Um, uh, but I would say like with Brian, you know, he's, he's, he's an, he's an excellent, uh, better version of yourself coach, you know, helping you to move, uh, to get where you want to be. Um, but it's definitely a part of the coaching process. Uh, I think what Nolan consulting, you know, does is that it's also, it is, it is business-based, you know, and I, I, so I, um, I know a life coach is more personal, but this brings the business piece to it, but they both need to impact be each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They both need to be happening. And that's so leading into leadership and brand building, I would say are very, very closely related. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like marketing leverages a brand, but obviously the brand is influenced and created by all the people, which, uh, are obviously beyond the reaches of just a traditional marketing department in my mind. But what have mm -hmm. you learned about leadership um, and brand building in your coaching roles for the various businesses that you've been involved in? Where I've seen uh, with myself and, and brand um, 
be very strong from leadership is when they hold the line, you know, when, when they've, when they've set what their values of this brand is going to be and they, they stick with them. You know, they, that this is their brand. This is their, this is the leadership they're doing. Um, they don't sacrifice. Uh, there are several companies that do not sacrifice the brand for monetary reasons or for, you know, any other reason they stick with the brand. Um, I've worked with companies that, um, don't and, um, and, and they don't take that leadership. They, they, they put a brand up that is what they vision, what they want it to be so that they can hit a market point, but they don't stand behind the brand. And, um, and that's been, uh, and those individuals that have done, done that, you know, they, 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 they rise and fall. Um, you know, I, I, in my experience, I've seen them rise because they've done very great job in branding, but they didn't stand behind the brand. And then it's, it's, it's went away or been tarnished. And, uh, then the brand means something that they weren't originally wanting it to mean. Mm. Yeah. The, uh, have you ever heard the phrase living true is expensive? You're right. <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like it's obviously what gets expensive about it is when you say no to money yeah. for a yeah. greater cause. Yeah. I assume that's what you're talking about kind of. Yeah, it is. It is. It's when you're when you'll sacrifice profitability to hold true to what you believe, what your brand stands for. Um, you know, you will you'll you'll make you know, we you'll make hiring and firing decisions based on that truth what you what you stand for um i i believe in the in the end uh, i still have the belief in the end uh, and as things progress that uh those pay dividends in the long run but not always in the short short run you know, yeah in the short part you know you might might cost you to do the right thing totally um you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. the sales is not one of your strong suits or something that you would feel comfortable or confident in being a coach in what would you say uh your strong suit is is that would is that maybe you already said that operationally yeah. you know i think systems um that's something i'm really big with um i uh i believe they're you know that um systems run the business and people run the systems so i'm a big system um person i i, I really think that's where my uh, when something breaks, when something doesn't work as planned, my first instincts are to what broke, what didn't, where, where did that, where did it, you know, um, uh, you know, what caused the chink, what, what caused this customer, you know, not filling, filling, filling the full experience, what, what, what got dropped and what can we do to change that drop, um, or change that, that system or, or process. Um, so that's probably where my strengths and then team building, I think I, um, I loyalty and team building is another part of the business of uh, providing that vision and uh, you know getting long-term employees um, is where my strengths are. So with those two, as we'll say, systems and team building, yeah. um, what of the like of those aspects do you feel like you commonly see companies misapply or not apply well? Um, and it could be a, a component of it or the rollout of it or, um, yeah, I guess, cause if those are the two things that you feel like you are dominant or are exceptional mm -hmm. in, where do you see businesses continuously, uh, 
yeah misapplying them. misapply yeah. yeah i think i think um i think if we'll talk systems first people tend to if they're not if it's not their strength or passion uh, system they they want to put something out of a box they want to they want to buy something out of a box and put in the system but then they don't they don't understand it and they don't understand it truly they don't really get into the, the the weeds of it they just delegate it and they put it in place and then a year later that system falls apart or it doesn't work as what they wanted it to and they blame the system um and, and so I think that's one mistake that's made a lot. You know, there, there's a lot of different things that in, in my company we do or uh, that people are like, oh, I want that. Well, but they, they want the outcome, but they don't want the investment to do it, um, uh, to, to put it in place. Um, you know, I think, um, I think team building or maybe, you know, long inspiring people on that note, inspiring and leading their team. I see a lot of companies that, um, I don't want to say a lot, but where do they miss peace? Um, they forget to communicate vision. You know, we, again, I think that's so missed in, in organizations about where we're going, what do we want? Um, and then holding true to their values about that vision. You know, they, they, uh, you know, as an, as an owner and at, at our level, as an owner or even a higher management, we're talking it all the time. But we're a service-based, you know, most of our businesses are, are service-based and we have a lot of feet on the street, individuals out working. Well, if you're not conveying that down, they're making their own visions. And uh, so I see a lot of, in, in team building, they're, they're, not, they're not communicating all the way down, cascading it all the way to the, you know, the, 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 the people on the street. And uh, um, so those, those are underutilized, I think. More people miss those. Mm. Um, I like the uh, the systems part. I think I uh, agree with that. It's the um, it's very like developing a good sustainable system takes a long time, and mm -hmm. uh, there's so many, especially when you're dealing with systems that are partially technology, and then there's people, and there's people. inputs, and then there's customers and the yeah. personalities. There's a lot there that has to be understood and trained and then followed up on and revised in order to get the system to be intact, you know, in any number of yeah. months from now. Yes. You need to have somebody on, on when in systems, someone has, you know, someone within the organization has to know it from front to back. You know, they can't just be compartment. It gets two times, times too compartmentalized and somebody needs to know the, the system to, to, to manage it all the way through, you know, totally. So they, yeah. Yeah. We just did a, um, uh, just, it was like probably six months ago, we did a soup to nuts of mm -hmm. the like customer journey through the system. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it took, I think it was two six hour days of like literally just every single detail and then taking notes and at the end of it, like we immediately were like, oh, we can cut out five of these little yeah. data points that were just like for something that happened three or four years ago that we added in. And now like nobody uses it. Or nobody this uses, person it, right? uses it for something totally different than what it was originally planned. Right. We've right. got the same information feeding four different places. And it's like, why do we do that? You know, and, and being captured, being captured four different times. You know, yeah, so all exactly. the labor. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are the last three books that you've read? Um, you know, uh, interesting. Uh, 
you know, I've, I've really gotten into the Audible books um, and I've become a very piecemeal. Uh, so it's difficult. I, I'm not, so I don't know that there's last three. The last three that have been on top of mind that I've been listening to over, catching pieces of it is a, a, a dichotomy of leadership has been one I've been listening to. Uh, little pieces of that. Um, um, that's uh, got some really good topics in there that I enjoy listening to. Um, another one that I just recently uh, that I've been bouncing back and forth with, with is uh, Profit First uh, is, a, is a book that I've kind of been picking up some pieces. We've been um, really looking for my uh, succession planning and what we're doing. We're uh, we've been building a business for years and right now I need to be focused on profit and continuing to build a business, but profit needs to come first at this point. Um, so I've been focusing on that. Um, what was another one that I've been jumping around on? Uh, oh, built to sell is another one that I've been bouncing back and forth. So again, there haven't been full reads. I've read them all in the, in, in the past, but those have been the ones I've been kind of re recycling and uh, piecemealing through audible. Um, and of those, um, cause I, I listen to audible like all the time, podcasts and audio and audio, audio books mm -hmm. are like, I just tell, um, I tell my wife that I read with my ears because right. when I read with my eyes, it's, it's way, way, way slower. And I just can't process the information nearly as well. Right. But I love, um, dichotomy of leadership. That's, is that Jocko Willink? Yeah. Jocko Willink and, um. I can't remember his name. Uh, yes, Leif Bat, Leif, uh, two of them anyway, Jocko Williams. Yeah. It's the one from uh, uh, Extreme Ownership, and this was their follow-up book. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have, uh, with? I guess it doesn't need to be these last three books, but is there a book in your life or career that you feel like is a uh, a transformational book and or a book that you recommend more than others? It's just like, oh, this was just a classic. Still love it. Loved it when I first read it. Or one that you just always recommend to um, business people or leadership or whatever. Yeah, the um, um, well, definitely built to sell. Somebody's uh, built to sell to me was a book that kind of my my at one point in my career was uh, very um, eye opening. It was just like, okay, this is what I want. I want to have a business. And it was really what's, uh, kind of spawned me to, uh, to, to want to be able to get out. And I wanted to own a business. And, uh, um, uh, so that was a great book that uh, to me, it just was like, Oh, so I always recommend that to anybody that's tired of working in their business and they're trying to get out of it is, is sharing that. Um, the other one is, uh, Emeth. here we go. Emeth. Um, Emeth is one that was to me, uh, prior to my involvement. Yeah. So Emeth prior to my involvement with, uh, Nolan consulting group, um, I, I actually, I met Kevin Nolan and the author of Emeth on the same weekend at a painting and decorating, uh, convention. And it was like, oh, this is, this guy, this guy, this guy has the pieces to the puzzle. And, uh, it was a great book for me. Um, and I think for anybody that owns a business that has been tr struggling to get it to go, or they just, you know, they're, they're finding themselves owning a job. Uh, E-Myth is like a go-to. It's like, you know, read this book. Um, mm -hmm. and then when you want, when they realize that 
they want to they want their business to be more than um, uh, than just a business uh, is built to sell. You know, it's a, mm. it's That's simple. Jim Collins, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I've read Good to Great, but I haven't read Built to Sell. Or I know there's another one, Built to Last. I think or his others. Uh, you know, I don't know. Built to Sell is Jim Collins. Maybe it's Built that. to Last is the uh, Built to Last is Jim Collins. That's another follow-up book to uh, Good to Great. Or oh yeah, you're right. It's uh, Built yeah. to Sell is John Warlow. Yes, John Warlow. Built yeah. to Sell. Yeah, great book. Um, easy, easy read. Do a bunch to get through. How can people uh, connect with you if they want to reach out or have questions? Um, what is your preferred method of communication? Um probably email. Uh, so that would be my Steve at NCG. Uh, oh, I just blanked my email. Nolan CG, right? Yeah. Nolan CG. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Nolan Steve CG. at nolancg.com. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Perfect. Well, um, Great. Steve, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And um, I, yeah, I just, am, I love, uh, one of the re- reasons I do this is because I love just getting to talk about more intellectually, you know, mm-hmm. challenging or interesting conversations right out of the gate. You know, so often in life, you just BS with people for 15, right. 20 minutes and don't ever get to anything meaningful. And with a podcast, just kind of skip all the BS and just go straight to more interesting stuff. So I appreciate you sure. taking the time to do this. You're welcome. You're welcome. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. You are listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.